Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the RiderFlex podcast. Along with our daily tips on career advice, our show features entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and influencers from all types of industries, sharing their stories, providing advice based on their experiences, and chatting about their companies. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, you can email us at podcast at riderflex.com. And if you like today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and give us a quick thumbs up. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Tell me about yeah. Sue. I, I want to know about Sue, the person. Let's listen to the personal stuff first. I want to know okay. family, mom, dad, siblings, where you grew up. You know, give me oh. some of that. Okay. So I grew up about an hour south of Chicago. Okay. Uh, my husband and I actually grew up in the same town. We lived about 10 blocks apart from each other, but we went to different grade schools, different high schools, but we knew each other. And how'd you, how'd uh, you know each other parties getting together? What, what, what? Well, I used to be a cheerleader <laughs> and he worked at the CYO, which is where our basketball games were held. And oh. so he worked the scoreboard. So I knew who he was, but uh, oh, we so didn't, he's older. He's yeah, older. He's, yeah. He's two and a half years older than I am. So we didn't hang out together, anything, go to parties until later. And that's where we actually met was at party. So I can just see him now. He's at the school board. He's like 20 or whatever, 21. <laughs> you're, like, you're, like, you're like 17 or 18. You're like a junior or senior. And mm, like, yeah. More like grade school. I was in grade school. So yeah, much younger than that. But yeah, we, um, so we knew a lot of the same people. We had a lot of friends in common. And then, um, so we've been married, got married in 1988. Um, and then we moved to Georgia. He was a police officer in Georgia. And so we moved there, picked up everything and lived there for nine years. Huh? And, um, then I got an opportunity with Kraft Foods to move to Chicago. And so we came back to Chicago and which was really nice to be back to f- with family and stuff. Although we love Georgia, it was a great place to live. We were excited to come back here. So now we live up close to the Wisconsin border in Illinois. Mm, man, and, you like snow. You like snow, don't you? Oh, I like the snow. I'm not so as much of a fan of the cold, but definitely <laughs> like the snow. It's pretty. And so we now have three kids. Uh, my oldest is 23, uh, a girl who is a director to daycare. And my next daughter uh, just graduated and is an HR generalist. Um, she's 21. And then my son is 15 and just starting driver's ed. So I'll have one more through driver's ed and then everybody will be driving and, you know, starting to be on their own. Now is the boy, is he the rebel? Is he, is he getting away with all kinds of stuff or or what? I mean, he probably would say yes. I think it's interesting, right? He plays a good game of, you know, I need help with this mom or I need this, but I think, you know, I'm trying to get him independent, you know, so he can do stuff on his own. Cause when I travel, it's much easier if he knows how to do stuff. So is your husband still, is your husband still a cop or he's retired? No, when we moved back here, he didn't want to do that anymore. So yeah, we're actually, he's been doing different types of jobs, like driving trucks and working for different companies here. So yeah, much easier world than the police world for him at this point. Which kid was the toughest so far? Oh, come on. I can't say that on, on, a, on a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they each have their own uh, positives and, you know, challenges, right? I think 
it was interesting because most we had two girls, so we knew how to, you know, parent girls. And then we had this boy and it's like, okay, what's going to be the differences? <laughs> um, but yeah, they've, they've all been different, different in different ways, right? They're all independent, unique kind of personalities and um, they're all a lot of fun. So we Jeez. try to have fun in the house. And- Sue, that was, a, that was a boring answer. You didn't give me anything <laughs> right there. Yeah. All right. So which, which one is most like me is, um, is my oldest i would say but she looks like her father um the next daughter is um definitely like me in terms of work and ethic and like she's a mini me but she's definitely got her father's personality for sure and we're we're still waiting i mean i think our son is kind of a bit of a mix um, but he's much quieter he likes computer games engineering stuff Um, he can do math problems in his head. No problem. As long as you don't make him write it all out, like his teachers want him to do. And, um, yeah, so he's got a sense of a great sense of humor. He's very creative. So he's kind of an interesting mix of, of my husband and I, but we're waiting to see which one he's more like. What about you? Uh, mom, dad, siblings, give me that real quick. Oh, uh, so both my parents have passed away. Um, but we grew up in this, I don't know. Kankakee is the town that we grew up in. And uh, I have one sister. What's that next to? (laughs) I don't know. It would be next. I mean, the closest big city is Chicago, obviously. And that's yeah. So that's like an hour away. Uh, But it's a nice town. One sister. She lives in Indianapolis area. She's uh, two and a half years younger than I am. And she also has three kids, but she has two boys and a girl. So we make a good Brady Bunch kind of family when we're all together, three boys and three girls. Now, now, what'd your mom and dad do? Uh, my dad was a sheet metal worker. So he worked for different um, jobs around, you know, he's part of a union. So depending on which job went where he worked at like Braidwood Nuclear, um, helping that get built. Uh, he worked at various companies, you know, wherever they needed him to go. And my mom actually worked for the same company I worked for, um, but she was the general food side. So she worked at general foods, her entire career started as a secretary administrative assistant and moved up to become like the senior woman in her facility. Um, wow. So, wow. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I know so she was, I, that word secretary. You don't hear that very often now, but back then, cause that's she was what probably, it was called back then. Yeah. Yeah. She was probably a secretary in what, what would that be? The late sixties, early seventies. Uh, yeah, roughly. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Cause I, well, like early sixties probably. Yeah. Cause I was, yeah. I was, but, um, just a glint in her eye at that point. I wasn't around and, you know, it was a great stepping stone for her. She just continued to grow that's and awesome expand her career. And so she was a good role model. And then at some point, the company I worked for craft in general foods became one company. So yeah. for a year, we actually worked for the same company and then she How retired. Mm-hmm. How about that? Okay. And all right. Fun. Very good. I appreciate you. Were you now, were you wild kid or was your sister, the wild one who, 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 uh, my sister was, was more of the wild one than I was. Yes. I was, was, you know, number one child. I was the perfectionist, uh, oh. does what they're told which I've had to unlearn a lot of since then, but yeah, she was much, she had the crazy colored hair, the different lengths of hair. She was not afraid to be unique and individual and um, it was really good for her. So I love that about her. Now she was two years older or younger. You said younger. Yeah. She was younger. Both of you guys went to high school in the eighties, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes. Different we did. Time. 
different yep. time. Yeah, I was a senior when she was a freshman. You ever, you ever look at those pictures of the 80s, you like like with yourself or with some of your friends, and you're like, wow, it seems like it's almost like it was a different world. Like yeah, sometimes like her, my hair was much bigger. <laughs> totally. Much totally. crazier. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it was a different time, right? We didn't have the internet, we didn't have all of these. I think that kids today have a lot of pressure, a lot of stress just because everybody knows what everybody's doing at every minute of the day and we could escape it. We could go home and nobody would know, you know, they'd have to call me or actually come to my house if they wanted to talk to me. So it's a very different uh, world for them right now. I don't think they can even imagine the millennials can't even imagine uh, what it was like for us. You know what the, the best part was once we left home when you're 16 or 17, you're like, okay, I'm going out with my friends. Like that was it. Like that you can't, they could they didn't know where you were at. They didn't know what you were doing. They couldn't call you. It was awesome. <laughs> I know. It's amazing, right? I think of it as a parent. It's a little harder to imagine, right? But I think it, as a child, it was just such a different time. Like we didn't even know some of the things that were happening that we know minute by minute now. And so I think that was a blessing that uh, we could totally just go operate agree. in the world and not think about all that stuff. Meanwhile, your son, your 15-year-old, he's got like a GPS tracker in his duffel bag, probably. <laughs> well, I have them all on something that I can see where they are, you know, just I think it's more for me to make sure if something should happen, you know, with them driving for, back and forth to school when they were, you know, they're driving two and four hours. So I just thought, you know, it might be helpful if I know the vicinity of where you might be just should something happen to you, right? I don't need to know play by play what you're doing, but. Well, remember when we that. used to have to pull over and ask for directions? Or, or actually use a payphone to call someone because right. you had no phone. <laughs> That's right. When I started in sales, I had to stop at payphones and check in on a voicemail to see what the messages were because I had no other way to do it. It was. Crazy. How about this? How about this? Do you remember getting off a flight and the first thing everybody did was run to the payphone line and you're trying to get off? <laughs> yeah. You're trying to get off the plane first to get one of the phones. Yeah, <laughs> we've only got five. Hurry up. <laughs> Totally remember that. Uh, okay. Um, all right. So why marketing? Well, you, you, why uh, go to school? You went to Eastern Illinois. Why, why yes. marketing degree? Well, at that time, you know, my mom was in uh, kind of promotional services and doing okay. some stuff around marketing. And so I thought that, you know, back then you didn't have the internet. So you had to look at people around you and see what they were doing. And so I thought that was really interesting that she had worked with all of these brand people at General Foods and got to work on Maxwell House Coffee and do promotions with them. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And so I went into that kind of okay. with that mindset of I'd like to go into marketing. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's not where I ended up. Uh, I actually started in sales, but I think the degrees I had in marketing and production management actually helped me a lot mm -hmm. because I got to understand you know, product positioning and all the things that are important from a marketing standpoint, but then how operations works with my uh, production management degree, which helped me with manufacturing and distribution. So I had no idea those were the things I would actually end up using in the same way at craft, but that's, that worked out really well. I mean, what a great career at craft Heinz. I mean, 20, what, 26, 27 years. Yeah. yeah. Very long time. Wow. I mean, oh, you don't see that. Fun. You don't see that on resumes very often. Anymore. No, not anymore. But that was what we were, you know, thought we would do, right? You go to one company and you stay there your whole life and then you retire. And that was kind of the plan. It didn't work out that way, but that was supposed to be the plan. So what did you retire from there or, or did no, you? Well, I just, I left the company when they did the merger with Heinz. Uh, because Yeah, it was just um, 
I had already started coaching at night and getting my certification. So I thought, yeah, I thought it might be a good plan B for the future. Mm. And I just didn't know that I would execute that plan sooner than later, but I thought it was a good thing for me to have something to fall back on. You know, when I decided I wasn't ready to retire, even if I did retire, Mm. wasn't ready to stop working. And so I wanted to do something that I loved and I got to do a ton of leadership development at craft and they taught me so many great things that I use now to this, to this day, coaching people and helping them from a consulting standpoint that I couldn't have even imagined were going to be things that I would know how to do. You just don't know when you're in that environment that you know those things until you leave. How did you come to that point? I think this is a great uh, piece right here for the listeners, especially for somebody that's been in a career for a while and they're thinking about making a major change or maybe they've been with the company for a long time and they're trying to decide they're at that point in their life. Like, okay, what am I going to do now? Like now what? Right. (laughs) Yes. Uh, How did you decide the coaching? How did that come to be? Well, I had a challenge that I was trying to work through myself uh, with a manager. And so I hired a coach and I had never worked with one, had no idea, you know, what they were like or anything. And so she helped me tremendously just get through that experience and build my confidence back up. Um, It was a situation that was challenging and I had never dealt with it before and didn't know what to do. And so she just really helped me with that. And as I was sitting there just having conversations, I thought, what an amazing job. Like you get to help people work through challenges, come out the other side, confident, excited, motivated. And I said, how did, how did you become this? (laughs) Like, what did you do? Cause I want to figure that out. So I, she told me, told me what she did, but I thought about it for another, I don't know, two years before I actually embarked upon coaching school and starting to coach. I just wanted to make sure it was the right thing to do for me, but it, it was a, the biggest blessing I could have ever chosen, honestly, just because of how much it's helped me reflect on who I am and learn more about myself. And I've really transformed, I know, from where I was then to where I am now And to get to help other people do that, I think is just such a gift and an honor because I love to see them see, gosh, I could do that. I can actually go do that. But a lot of people just don't believe in themselves or have limiting beliefs from other people, or they've had an issue in the past that didn't work out. And so they assume it may not work out again. Mm. And so helping people see past that and see that it is possible. And like, I'm in your corner. I'm here for you. I'm going to help you through this isn't something that everybody has. And so um, that's what I love about it. Interesting that if you hadn't had that bad boss, right? If the bad boss hadn't come into your life, you may not have gone this direction. Correct. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. When I think back about like college, you know, I have a marketing and management degree, but my original plan was psychology. Mm. And oh, at that time, I, okay. I thought, I just don't know if I want to go into like eight more years of school, you know, to be a clinical psychologist, you got to go to get your master's, you got to do a lot of stuff. And I thought, I just don't know if I want to do that, if I want to be in school that long at that point in my life. And so I switched mm-hmm. to business. And so I think back now, had coaching been something, I don't know, maybe I would have looked at it, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a degree back then. Yeah. But your experience at craft is probably you know made you a better coach than anything else oh for sure yeah no doubt no doubt because I not that I have to know everything about what someone's doing but I can at least understand the situations that they have the challenges that they're facing Um, it definitely especially 
coming from IT, not everybody goes into coaching from IT. I'm probably not the norm, but I think a lot of people connect with me because a lot of IT people are under tremendous amounts of stress and trying to do their best that they can. And visibility is not something that they always are thinking about, Mm -hmm. but they do want to advance in their career. And that's what I want to help them understand is that they can do that. I have done it. I struggled with it and I got through it and here's how you can do it. And most of them are introverts and don't even know how to express. Right. (laughs) They just want to code at their desk. Well, a lot of them may be leading as well, but I think it's, it's definitely kind of a, a challenge for them. And it was no for doubt. me for sure. No, no doubt. Actually, one of my favorite lines from an IT, because, you know, RiderFlex, our day job, we're a recruiting firm. I don't know if you know that, but mm-hmm. uh, so we're always recruiting and interviewing candidates. And one of my favorite lines from an IT candidate is uh, he goes, we were calling him to uh, set up the interview between him and the client. And he was like, well, why do I need to interview? You, you have my coding, you have my coding work, you have my whatever github or whatever i'm like no that's you still have to like be a human being and like talk to somebody (laughs) they actually want to talk to you (laughs) what you look like you know yeah i mean come on man you know some conversation you are gonna have to interact with human beings at some point right (laughs) Anyway, I think they, I mean, many, even my son, I think would say, you know, could you just give me a project and I'll just go do it. And I don't have to like have a tremendous lot of conversation around it. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he is looking at engineering or software development. And I thought, you know what, those are probably good for you actually. Oh yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, you got to have some people skills, but yeah, a great, great, yeah. uh, great degrees. Okay. So, so you, uh, you go to this coach, you have this kind of life-changing moment, you get through the bad boss you, uh, I can just almost hear you now talking to your husband at night, you know, you're like, you know, this is, this coaching thing is pretty cool. Like maybe I'm going to do that. Right. Like, okay. And then how did you, did you just, I don't know, start a URL or buy a URL, start an LLC, walk us into the change. Yeah. So I, I remember uh, the first day after I left the company, you know, you, you're in the company, you have three meetings at one time, your calendar is back to back to back all day. And then you leave and you have no meetings. <laughs> you have nothing that you have to do, right? I took my kids to school and that was it. Uh, so I remember going for a walk and I thought, I'm not sure what to do, right? What do I do next? And it wasn't like I didn't have some ideas, but I thought, what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, this, I could go get another job. I could go, you know, do another director job yeah. as an yeah. IT Easy. person. Yeah. I could right. do something else. Um, or I could try to do this coaching thing and start a business, which I had never done before didn't know even where to start. And so I would say I called, I followed the uh, business for dummies book, right? Where you, what should you do? You should think about a name for a company. So I spent a lot of time thinking about the names for the company and then what should the company do? Like, what should I focus on? Where should I? So I spent a ton of time on business cards, a logo, the, the website, all of those things that honestly kept me kind of small and kept me hidden from the world. But Mm. I was again, hiding from my own visibility out in the world. I learned how to do it at craft. And then I went into this new world, which is scary and new. And I was doing the same thing, but I didn't realize it at the time. I thought, you know, this is what business people have to do because no one's going to want to work with me if I don't have a website, if I don't have a business card or a name. So yeah, that definitely was an eye-opening moment. Uh, But the other thing was internally, shifting from being someone who's associated with a big company, you automatically get credibility. 
when you work with them. Mm-hmm. And so I could introduce myself as Sue Barber and I work with Kraft. Oh my gosh, well, you must be amazing because Kraft is an amazing company. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on my own and I have to stand on my own with my own name and no company behind me. So there was a big identity shift I had to make for myself of you're now in this different world and who do you want to be? And mm-hmm. how do you want to show up for people? So that took some time for me to, to get through that mentally, I'd say, and just be able to see what was possible for what I wanted to do with the company. So yeah, I went and found a URL and <laughs> did all those things. By the way, right, and this is a good little segue. So just so everybody knows, it's susanmbarber.com. Yes, uh, I had to do that because someone had Susan Barber already. So I had to put oh, my did. little initial in. Yeah, somebody already had it. Okay. And plus you can find Susan on LinkedIn, of course, as well, but Susan and Barbara, the website. Um, Did you, now I want to ask this real quick. What about the financial side? So this is five years ago. You had three kids at home. (laughs) Your husband is not an executive COO bringing in $300,000 a year, I don't think. And so you leave Kraft and your teenagers are like, uh, yeah, we still need money, mom. So what, (laughs) yeah. What about yes. that? Huh? that yeah, well, it, it was good, but I got a year of severance when I left the company. Okay. That and helped. yeah, so that was, that was part of the, you know, deciding factor. I probably okay. wouldn't have been able to think about doing this as easily without that. All so right. I knew I had money in the bank. I knew I had a lot of good things working in my favor. And so I just thought, you know, this is the time to try it. Still a little bit scary though. Right. I mean, it's oh, hey, for sure. A good tip for the listeners, got a little savings, got some, got some severance, got a 12 month severance. And so, yeah, but then every day you're waking up going, okay, yesterday it was 365 days before my pay runs out. Now it's 362. Now it's 281. Now it's, I got to get a client. I got to get a client. Yeah, exactly. How long did it take to get the first client? It took a little while. It was interesting because I, the other thing that I was trying to shift was not only my own perception in my head, but also the perception that other people had of me. Mm. So I was this IT director from Kraft. How am I going to become this leadership coach with her own company? Mm-hmm. And so I met um, a person in a coaching group and he said, you know, I write a blog every day. Why don't you write a blog? But I've never written a blog. I don't really know how to do that. And so he said, Sue, you can do this. Just write a blog. So I wrote my first blog and it took me a week to publish it because I edited the crap out of it. And so I wanted to make sure it was good. And I'm sure no one saw it right away, but I wanted it to be good. And so I put that out and then I wrote one every day for 18 months. Where'd you put it? Did you put it on your website? Um, I did it LinkedIn, Medium, Twitter. I did all the social media. All right. And the intent was to get people to start to see me as a thought leader in leadership, to talk about coaching, to talk about what coaching is. And what happened is a lot of people started reading that and seeing what I was doing and reached out. There were former craft people that I knew and said, Hey, I'm struggling. I want to get promoted. I can't do it. I need help. Or you're talking about situations that happen to you. And those same things are happening to me. And I want help to move past it. So like, maybe I'm too much in the details and I'm not being strategic enough and I don't know how to do that. Can you help me with that? Mm. So I just told a lot of my own stories, honestly, because I wanted people to know that they're not alone, that I have been there, that I have gotten through it. And it's easier than you think. You know, a lot of people make it overly complicated and it can be just much more of a mindset shift to think differently about things and help you see that it's possible. 
Okay. You still haven't gotten paid yet though. Tell me. No, I haven't. So yes, that definitely took. So I had to spend some severance for sure. (laughs) Plus I had, uh, at that point I would have had kids in college. So, uh, yeah. So on top of that, but I had already saved money for all of that. So that was a good thing. Uh, but I, yeah, definitely had to get into the severance for sure to make that work. And then at some point it just became, you know, I got a couple clients, I got a couple more clients and then I moved into helping companies. Can I pause you right there? I want to talk. Can you tell us about the first client though? I mean, I think it's, it's really important to talk about the first time somebody actually pays you like a, a person pays you for a service that you've created. (laughs) It's a a weird feeling, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a moment. That's a moment for your business where you're like, Mm -hmm. wow, I got my first check. Like somebody actually paid me to do this. Can you tell us that story real quick? Sure. Because that definitely was an interesting time for me because I, you know, I think there's a lot of people that, especially coaches, I think coaches struggle with this a lot is I'm new at coaching, so I can't charge as much. I should charge lower, right? Because I'm still learning how to be a coach and I can't charge what I think I should charge. And so I've seen so many people, I've definitely been through it myself. It just takes time to realize that it's not about like that one moment that you're coaching that person. It's about all the experiences you've had before then. So my 26 years at craft and all the experiences there, the time that I've been coaching people, all of that comes into play. I think of the Picasso example, right? He draws something and charges her $5,000. It took him five minutes, but she's like, How, can you charge me that much? It took you five minutes. He said, yeah, but it took me 25 years or whatever to get this good to do it in five minutes. Mm, it's good. One. And I think it's the same scenario in coaching. Many people come into it with a lot of experience, but they're maybe new at coaching. It doesn't mean they're not a good coach. It just means they haven't done it enough yet. So I think for me, it was, I wasn't probably charging enough. Um, And so my first client was someone that I worked with at the company and she was struggling. And so I started her off with like an assessment that, you know what, I can do an assessment with her. That's not too high pressure. I Did you have to pitch her or did she call you? She had called me and said, I'm struggling with this situation. So we met and as we were talking, I said, you know what, let's do an assessment. So I did a disc assessment on her and that's kind of like low hanging fruit to have a conversation with someone because you're going to give them value right away and have a conversation. And then what came out of that was, yes, I need to continue to work with you. And so we worked together for like three years after that. Wow. So Your first I, client lasted three years. Yeah. Yeah. So I always going, I always go in thinking, you know, I want someone to be a long-term client. I want to be able to help them and, and maybe they become a, a long-term client. Maybe they don't depending on their situation, mm-hmm. but I've had a lot of people come in and they're having struggles at work and maybe they decide to change jobs. And so it's helping them in the job they're in, but then helping them transition into the next job, doing mock interviews, helping them, do their 30, 60, 90 to go into the next role and setting them up for success there. So there's been a lot of transitions that a lot of clients have been through and that's why they've been able to stay with me so mm. that we continue to work together. That's very good. Okay. So first client three years, congratulations. All right. Thanks. So now you're off and running, you're off and running, right? You got a couple of clients or you're moving along. All right. And tell us, so right now is probably a good time. Give us the three minute elevator pitch, right? Give us the, you're, you're, you're pitching me or you're telling the listeners about your business, right? I know we've kind of talked about it, but, but give us the, the, the Susan, SusanBarber.com pitch. Go for it. So I'm an author, executive coach, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company. I help leaders who are struggling to be visible, 
help them see their strengths so that they can play bigger, that they can move into the career that they really want to have. And I really have this internal drive to create visibility for everybody and help them see that it's possible for them, help them see that it's easier than they think and that we are going to help you achieve success. That's the goal. And you have written a book called The Visibility yes. Factor, right? Yes. And where can Very you get you get that on Amazon or where can you buy it? Yeah, anywhere online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that you are buying books online. Um, it's in ebook and it's in paperback right now. I am about to finalize the audio files for the audiobook. So cool. I've already recorded it. I'm just, um, they're doing edits on that. So I'm excited to get that released and I'm looking at doing a podcast myself. So nice. Uh, that's coming next. Wow. All right. Yeah. The audio, I think the audio is critical, especially for self-help books. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people that read self-help books, um, they're also the type of people that are on the treadmill in the morning or whatever. And yes. so if you can, if they can get it in audio, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll listen to it for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, uh, I think that's important. Okay. Is it a bestseller yet? Well, not yet, but <laughs> it's going to take some time, but you know, I am really looking at, I wasn't looking at it to be, you know, selling a million books. If that happens, that's amazing. Okay. My goal is really to help leaders become visible. And if I can help anybody who is in my situation where they were playing small and sitting in the back of the room and not speaking up in meetings or not feeling like they were worthy enough to sit with the senior executives, then that's what this book is for. That's what is to help them get through that mindset shift for themselves, help them see it's possible that I have done it. And I have a lot of my own stories, but I also have a lot of client stories in the book to help them see what other people have been through. Some people suffer from like imposter syndrome. So I have a whole chapter on imposter syndrome. I have a four-step process called RISE, which is stands for reflect, ideate, select, and evaluate. And that's all about helping them create their own visibility plan with a bunch of ideas that I have listed in there, or they can create their own and then just really take step-by-step how to move past this. So I walk a client through it in the book. So you can see what that client went through, how they got through it, what happened for them on the other side, and just really get a sense of how to do it for themselves. It sounds like your target audience is a very talented person that is not confident enough to break out of their shell. Is that, is that right or no? Yeah. Or they don't know how to market themselves. They don't know how to talk about themselves or they feel like if they do, they're bragging. And so, especially introverts, right? Introverts maybe don't want the spotlight. And so they may not speak up in meetings or feel like they don't have anything to say or that the other people in the room are smarter than they are, that they know more. And so they should just keep quiet and they feel like their work should stand on its own. Mm-hmm. which it does to some extent, but, to some most, extent, but you, yeah. you got to do the other stuff. You've got to have a good image. You've got to be exposing yourself to opportunities so that they can see you in a different light. And part of what helped me move up was putting myself in situations, sometimes not of my own accord, but that were thrust upon me by other situations that helped people see, wow, she can really do this. I can see her in this role now because of what she did. But if you don't give yourself those chances, you know, they're not going to see that about you. And that's how they make decisions about moving people into, into roles. It's so true. I want to just add to that and say, you know, as a former CEO and COO myself, uh, before Riderflex, 
you do have to, to sell yourself. You do have to market yourself to a certain degree. I know it's nice to believe that, oh, if I just do good work, somebody will notice me and I'll move up. I mean, yeah, that's a huge part of it, but it is a human game. It's human to humans. It's not a robotic situation. You, you do have to sell a little bit. You do have to market a little bit. You do have to speak up. You do have to let people know what you want. You, right. you, uh, you, know, you, you need to market yourself a little bit. And I know introverts and especially software engineers hate hearing that. But what I would, what I would encourage them to think about is putting your work on GitHub or, you know, making your own website to show your work. That's you're marketing yourself. It's the same thing. I mean, but you got to be able to have the conversations too. It is, it is very important to uh, market yourself a little bit. I can't tell you how many times I had somebody come into my office after we had promoted somebody else and they would come into my office and say, well, how come you didn't consider me for that job? You know, I really wanted that job. And I would say, well, you never said you wanted to move up. You never told anybody you wanted to move up. You never talked to me about it. I didn't know you had those aspirations. You know what I mean? So yes, yeah, you gotta, it happens you so up. much. It happens so much. And I, I think the other thing that I want people to understand is it's not bragging. It's, you're just sharing information, right? You're just, I'm working on this project. It's going really well. I wanted to just give you an update. It doesn't have to be hard or volunteering to do something for a problem area or a right. gap in the process and fixing it. Right. Yep. I t- totally agree. Okay. So how do I, uh, how do I get Susan's services? Do I go onto the website? Do I fill out the contact info? Do I ping you on LinkedIn? What do I do? Yeah. So I have a, a Calendly link on my website that people can okay. set up time with me to meet with me. Uh, but also you can reach out on email or LinkedIn, or I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. So feel free to do that. Um, I have Facebook group that I am building, uh, because I want people to be able to hear from me live too. So I'd go live in there once a week, oh, oh, really? um, and my Facebook group. And then I have a career transition Facebook group. Cause there a lot of people come, you know, you talked about how do I transition into a new career or do something else? A lot of people are at that point, maybe in their life where they want to do something that's more fulfilling to them than the job that they've had to do. And they want to do something now that they want to do. And mm-hmm. so I created that Facebook group and put a bunch of resources in there because there are a lot of people that come in with those situations as well. And I want to be able to give them a, a way to get help too. So I go live in that one and in my other one. I love that. Okay. Very good. Uh, are you open for new clients? Are you taking new business? Are you booked yeah. out for six months? Where, where are we at? <laughs> well, I'm right now I'm spending a lot of time helping to promote the book, um, doing podcasts and speaking. Um, but yes, I am always having conversations with people um, as clients, because, you know, at some points, some people do move out and do other things, or they've, you know, reached a point where they're standing on their own, and they're doing great. And so I want to let them stand on their own and know that I'm here if they need me. But, you know, that's part of the process, I think, is is helping people get to that point where they can feel confident and do it on their own. Okay. Is it Zoom meetings like this? Like I get on the yeah. screen like this and talk? Okay. Yeah, I have some people that I do phone, but primarily it's Zoom. Um, in the COVID world, that worked out really well. Right. Um, yeah, because yeah. I did do some in-person stuff too. Um, I've been, you know, go to client sites and all of that. And I still do with the current client I have, but not as much. Uh, but yeah, we we still make it work in person when we need to. Well, uh, okay, very good. I mean, yeah, Zoom is, 
been very beneficial for your business, I'm sure. For sure. Yes. I love it. The thing is, though, I can't like lay down on the couch and like tell you about all my problems. <laughs> well, if you lay down, you might fall asleep though, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like that? Do you, do you feel like a, a psychiatrist a little bit sometimes? Oh, I don't know. I think there is some, there is some thinking that I have to sometimes do and understand where they're at, right? Because people will come in and say, I just want to get promoted. Okay. Well, let's understand why that's not happening. Right. So I have to do a little detective work sometimes to understand where they're really at, what feedback they're getting. Are they really being honest with themselves about where they stand and why they're not moving ahead? Because sometimes it's hard to hear that feedback. It may be more constructive and harder to hear. And so they, they don't hear it. And so I, I ask a lot of questions to try to really figure out where they are. And most of the time, the words they're using or how they're showing up tells me a story. Um, and so yes. I can start to start to guess a little bit, but I want them to tell me. And through the questions that I'm asking them, they're usually going to come to that conclusion on their own. They're going to say, okay, well, I can see where maybe I'm not communicating enough or where we, I'm not showing up in a big mm-hmm. visible way. Or, you know what? My manager did tell me that but I didn't really want to hear it. (laughs) And so sometimes you have to, that's where I think assessments can be helpful because an assessment is kind of a little more black and white. Here's the feedback. I use Hogan assessments a lot because you get to show it, which I don't know if you're using those from like a recruiting standpoint. Okay. One part of the Hogan is used for recruiting a lot because it tells the culture that someone would be successful in what their values and motives and preferences are. And so I use that for people who might be thinking about changing jobs or even in the job that they're in, can they be successful there or see themselves that way? But the other two pieces of the assessment are how other people see you, even without asking for feedback or asking them to give information. It's based on how the person answers the questions. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say to them, okay, do you think it's true that someone might see you like that? And, you know, they have to at least think about it, right? (laughs) They can't just say, no, that's not possible. Okay. Is it possible that you could be doing these things where you're shutting people down or not collaborating with people or not um, delegating to your team enough? Is that possible? Mm -hmm. Could that be holding you back? And so when you ask stuff like that, it makes them think about it. So I use assess, I use the Hogan a lot now uh, because I think it's very impactful and it helps people see not just from what I'm asking them or what their manager is telling them, but from another point of view that it may be something to explore. Do you charge by the hour, by the month, by the week? Is is it does it you know pay me, ten, pay me ten pay me yeah, ten thousand dollars up front or what's what's the deal? <laughs> A million? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I usually do packages. So it depends on what I'm doing. Some of them are smaller in nature, like maybe we're doing something to prepare someone for a new role. And I like to do uh, what I call like VIP days, or I call them during breakthroughs, but spending more time with people like three to six hours, maybe split over a couple of days where we can dive in deep about what they really want to accomplish, or if they're having a challenge or they're getting ready to set up their goals for their organization and create a vision stuff where it's a little bit deeper. I like to do packages like that, where we get to spend time together doing those things. Um, But I also do things like where I'm on retainer at a company. So I coach a lot of their team members and executives and create a lot of HR stuff for them. So I do different things. So it's, it's not one set package, but I usually try to think about what do I think is best for the person? What do I think is going to be the best experience for them? And how are we going to get the results the fastest for them? Do you get a lot of, uh, 
stuff like, yeah, I don't, you know, Mary is mean to me in meetings and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm sure you get a lot of that, right? Yeah, there's definitely some of that because it, you know, I think it, I don't know what the percentage is. I always think it's 95% because it seems like that's the situation, but communication is usually 95% of the problems is I thought you said this, you thought I said that, (laughs) or my story in my head is that you don't care about me and you don't want me to be successful. So I think there's a lot of those stories that people tell themselves and it gets in the way from real conversations. I couldn't agree more. Communication, that word is uh, uh, gigantic when it comes to problems within a leadership team. Uh, I couldn't agree more. So often I've said to people, you know, they'll call me up and I'll be like, Johnny said this and Johnny that and Johnny this and Johnny that, blah, 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 blah. And then this is what I'll do. I'll go, have you called him? (laughs) You had a conversation? (laughs) Have you talked to him? Did you tell him how you're feeling? Oh, well, he knows how I'm feeling. Now he probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fascinating. And I, you know, I don't know. I think I'm sure that I went through many of those things at craft too, but I just didn't, um, I wasn't in the role I was in to hear that. But, you know, if I look back and see that the issues and the challenges that people faced, I'm, you know, communication is a big piece of that. Huge. And I definitely see that now with companies that I go in and do consulting things for where they're talking about how do I make my team more successful or how do I help them talk to each other and not, you know, yell at each other, but support each other, right? And have constructive conversations. And so creating different workshops on those types of things are fun because it gets to bring a team together and helps them see themselves in a way that maybe they never thought that they could be. And um, just gives them new tools to use to do that or new language to use to do that and helps them just move past some of those challenges that aren't really productive at the end of the day. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a professional coach for a living, but one of the things, a couple of things I used to do, here's my, here's my tip for the listeners Okay. <laughs> beyond Susan's book. Uh, first of all, make them get off email and go talk to each other. That that's huge. Like I used just, to say that same thing. Like they're right just, over there. Go walk right over there. there. <laughs> just go talk to them. Just go talk to them. That's number one. The other thing I used to do is I would say, look, tell you what, why don't you and Johnny either go to lunch, get out of the office, go to lunch or go to happy hour. Even better if you could get them to go to happy hour voluntarily, mm-hmm. right? You could, can't force them to do that really from a work perspective. But if you, I just would say, I would say, look, tell you what, why don't you go have a couple of beers with Johnny for happy hour and just talk. And then let me know how, let me know how that turns out. And that would just solve so many problems. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yep. Just <laughs> meeting outside of the office. Yes. Um, or even um, I had one client who was struggling with this other woman and she couldn't figure like she just everything. She was defensive. She was angry. She was, she just was never happy. And I said, why don't you just try to talk to her like a person? And just ask her, like, what's going on for you? You seem upset today. Are you okay? Is everything okay? You know? And so the more she showed compassion and concern for this person, that person started, you know, I always say, like, you can go high or low. And if the person's high, you have to stay low to bring them down to you. Mm-hmm. And um, she brought that person down and they actually ended up having a really great relationship to the point where, you know, when the woman was upset about something, you know, she would go to, 
my client and talked to her. And so she said, I just can't believe this, Sue. Like we went from where she just barely can talk to me or tolerate me to, oh my gosh, she's like coming to me with challenges and problems. So that's wonderful. You know, it's just those things that you don't always think about doing. It's maybe the opposite of what you might think doing. You're just the natural reaction is to get defensive or to say, what's going on? Why is she yelling at me and take it personally when -hmm. it has nothing most likely to do with you? That's also very true. Uh, my my wife and I talk about that a lot with her work. You know, um, she'll t- she'll tell me about people that are just very upset and you know raising their voice or or, or whatever or, or attacking her. Right, attacking I guess is is a good word. And uh, and and I always say I can promise you, Kim, something is going on in their life, and you just happen to be in the way, and right. you're a you're a target point to take it out on. Yep. You know, something else is up. Their 15 year old got arrested or whatever. Right. <clears throat> yep. I mean, something's up. I think that's so true. Can you give us a crazy one? I mean, without mentioning and give us, give us a good story. Give us, give us like a psycho uh, customer that you were, you were like, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. You're telling your husband, you're like, no, no, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, I did have this woman. I mean, at this, this was early on. I, she was in the UK and she reached out on my website and she um, wanted to do some work. And so I had a conversation with her about the work and talked to her about it. And at that point I wasn't charging <clears throat> at all what I'm charging now, but I was pretty minimal. I think it was like, I don't know. I said, it'll be $250 or $500, whatever it was, nothing big. Yeah. And she like went off on me. I can't believe you would charge that kind of money. Are you crazy? I mean, she was literally at me. Wow. And so I just went totally calm. And I said, okay, well, what were you looking to spend? Like, what were you expecting to spend? And you just have to like be calm with them. And at the end of the day, I could pretty much tell that was not going to be a good fit. (laughs) And she could say, you know, it, it just didn't work out. But I think that's like, when somebody comes at you, your natural reaction is to get defensive. And I could have spent a ton of time defending why that's the right amount of money and what she's going to get, but she couldn't hear that. So yeah, it's things like that, that I've just learned over time that, um, you just have to really be calm. I like a book. I don't know if you've read it. Never split the difference. Have you read that? Mm-hmm, nope. Chris Voss. Oh, you might nope. like that. He's okay. a former, um, FBI hostage negotiator, ah. and he has taken what he learned in that world and moved mm. it into the business world. Oh, nice. And so he has all of these phrases that he used in hostage negotiations because in those situations, they're like way up here and they're stressed out and they're, you know, under, you know, trying to do whatever they're trying to do, arrest people or, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so he just goes in, he calls it the late night DJ voice. And so he goes in very calm. Like it it seems as if you're really struggling with this, or it seems as if you Mm -hmm. really have, you know, a lot of plans to do something bad to these people. Like he went in with that very, it seems as if the late night DJ voice. I late love night that. DJ that voice. I love it. One. That's a good one. But so he did that because he wanted to create a connection with them. Like mm. I'm hearing you. I'm listening to you. I care about, you know, even at the end of the day, right. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he was very successful in moving people to safety because of those conversations that he was able to have with people. So yeah, it's a great, there is a, a PDF summary online as well. I can send it to you, Steve, but okay. um, I, um, I think it's a great book and I've used it a lot. Like I, that's where I bring people down. I'll just, it seems as if you're really struggling right now. It seems as if you're really frustrated. Tell me what's happening. 
And so people want to talk about it. They just want to know that someone cares enough to ask the question. Do your clients get into, I'm sure they bleed over into personal and it's just almost, oh, yeah. it's probably, it's probably almost impossible to keep from doing that. Right. Yeah. Maybe my yeah. husband did this, my kid did that, whatever. Right. I'm yeah. sure. Well, I always see people as one person, right? You, you can be, you can say that you're one person at work and you never bring that home, but I think you're going to, it's going to bleed over. Mm -hmm. And so most of the time when they're struggling with something, I'll say, is this happening in your personal life? Uh -huh. And they never think about, and I didn't think about it. Like I was being visible at work, but then I wasn't being visible at home. So mm -hmm. I didn't realize it until a situation happened with one of my daughters. So I think it's very common to not realize that the two are crossing and that you're doing it in both places, but you don't associate the challenge in both places the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Very good. Okay. I want to wrap it up here. We're almost out of time. Um, I want to ask you a couple of uh, outside the lines questions, kind of, uh, you know, some worldly, <laughs> worldly topics, if you don't mind. Have you had any CEOs or executives clients call you and say, Hey, I'm struggling with, um, this COVID and masks and vaccinations. And I don't know what to do with my company and I don't know what rules to enforce. And I got some people saying this and some people saying that, and I don't know what to do. Have you had any, any, any of that? Yeah. I mean, the company that I've been working with for five years, you know, they definitely had the challenge when they were going through this all coming down and what do we do? And do we keep people at work? Do we send them home? How do we deal with this? And I had, attended something about kind of the change management of this whole COVID situation okay. and how you you're, we're going in with kind of this craziness and we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And at some point there will be a new normal and we just don't know what that looks like yet. And how do you deal with that? So I actually put together a, a video for them and sent it to them and said, you know, here's some things to think about, right. In this situation, okay. right. We okay. don't know what's going to happen, but you have to be calm. Because if you're not calm, your team isn't calm, the organization isn't calm. And some days that happen better than others, right? Because it's just the nature of how things work. But we have definitely always had conversations about how do we keep people engaged when they're working remotely? How do we make sure that people stay connected and feel connected to the company and everything that's happening, even though they can't be there? Mm -hmm. um, this company has come people all over the country. And so that was already in place. I think, thank goodness, because it wasn't a situation where they had to figure out how do I make my company remote? How do I let people work from home? They were already doing that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things to think about that they had already considered, which I think helped them transition into this new world. Um, but they also have just had to think about the engagement side, I think a little bit more and how do we stay connected? Um, and also thinking about the mental health of employees. That maybe wasn't something everybody thinks about as a manager. Right. I, I don't know that I would have thought about it unless somebody brought me a situation. But now it's asking the questions like, how are you really doing today? And if they say, I'm fine. No, how are you really doing today? Like mm -hmm. literally don't let them off the hook and asking questions like that because people need to talk about it. And yes. people need to say like, you know what? My aunt's in the hospital, my uncle's in the hospital and I don't know if they're going to make it. Mm. And so it's those deeper conversations that I think people were maybe not prepared to have, but became more of a requirement to have. How about this one? Social media and either candidates 
going crazy on social media and the company's irritated about what they're saying or the candidate's irritated about the, what the CEO and the company's saying on social media and being mad about somebody's picking sides or voicing an opinion on whatever. Has that come up at all? I haven't had a ton of that. I have had some situations where someone's posted something and they probably shouldn't have. Yeah. And so then there was a, we got to take that post down kind of quickly kind of thing happening. Um, but most of the time, I, I haven't seen that a ton, honestly. It was more about how do we show up differently in social media, more of the positive view. I like see. they weren't, they weren't super social media savvy at one of my companies I was working with. And so I kept saying, share your story. You have a great story. You're a family owned company. You're a lot of fun. Talk about that. Yeah, Nobody talk, yeah. knows that, right? You're unique. Not every accounting firm is that person, right? Or does that. Mm-hmm. And so you don't always think fun and accounting go together, right. but they, they have made a way for that to happen. And it's a really great culture. And I said, you know what? That's what people want to know. Like if I come work at your company, I'm going to be so excited to be there because we're going to have fun and we're going to work hard. So that's what we started to do with them. And so I think that's really making a difference for them because they're showing up in a bigger way, you know, online and, and doing things that they never would have done before, like podcasts and videos. That is a great point for a smaller family owned second generation business that, yeah, they're doing fine and they have clients and they're doing okay. But, you know, their website's like from 1996 and (laughs) they don't have any social media pages. It's, I think you're absolutely right. If they get, just get a little bit of personality, a little bit of style, it is attractive. I do think people will be like, Oh, this is cool. Look at these guys. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to call them. Yeah. I think it's a good point. Yeah. We have this, uh, I don't know if you get it. Uh, in Colorado, but we have a, a station here, WGN News, oh. and they are kind of like the wacky, fun, like the personalities of the news. They make it fun and they laugh at each other and they joke around and they do a lot of crazy stuff. And so I told this accounting firm CEO, I said, you guys are like the WGN of, of accounting, right? Because that's cool. I think that's yeah, cool. because that's a good way for you to show your personality. And yeah. that's different than every other accounting company. Ooh, I like that. That's good. That's good coaching right there. That's that's probably worth a hundred thousand dollars worth of consulting fees. <laughs> I should charge that, I guess, huh? <laughs> uh, last question, Sue. We're out of time. If uh, you had to define your core purpose in life into a sentence, have you ever thought about what that might sound like? Your your overall core purpose. I mean, I think my purpose is to help people learn how to be visible and to think in terms of possibilities. I always try to focus on bigger possible things for them and help them think in a, in a different way than I, I think they ever realized that they could do. And it gives, you know, it just builds space for people to, to think bigger, to think that they could have a different job, a different life. You know, some people just want to create a different life for themselves and don't know that that's possible or do something different with their family. So I just try to always focus on possibilities and visibility is a portion of that. Um, and it maybe helps them get to their goals faster. Sue, thank you very much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. Thank I really you. appreciate it. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me.